Welcome to episode 199 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on May 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we got some distro news, app news, gaming news, and so much more coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux. Good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Before we get started with the show, I just wanted to thank all of you for watching the show and being understanding when I took last week off. I received many great comments about it, and I appreciate that very much. While I did take the week off for Twill, I was still working on a lot of different stuff, including some collaboration videos with Ryan of Destination Linux for his DOS Geek channel. I'll have those linked in the show notes if you want to check those out. Also, for those that don't know, I was at Ryan's house last weekend, and we were able to do all sorts of stuff. Like I said, the videos on his channel, one was about my first time experiencing the wonders of Micro Center. That was really fun because it was the first time I've ever been into a micro center and I get why people really like that store now. Uh, we also did a review video for the System76 launch keyboard, which is now available on his channel. And of course, we recorded an episode of Destination Linux while I was there, which was a lot of fun since we talked about the latest beta release of Unity 7.6 desktop and also the history of the Unity desktop environment as well. We also did a collaboration for my channel. It's not done yet, but it will be released in a couple of days, so be sure to subscribe for that. And I will have links to all of these in the show notes for those who haven't had a chance to check them out. Anyway, this week I'm back home and Twill is back as well, so let's get started with the show. As is tradition on this show, anytime there's a new release of the Linux kernel, we're going to be covering it. So there's no difference here. We're going to be starting off this episode with the latest release of the Linux kernel with release Linux 5.18. This release includes support for user events, which allow processes to create and write to trace events that are isolated from the kernel trace level events and will only provide trace information when the trace is enabled. 5.18 also adds support for Intel indirect branch tracking on Intel CPUs, which helps prevent some types of exploits. This release also offers better performance for scheduling performance on the AMD Zen processors. And Linux 5.18 switches to the C11 standard and, of course, it has performance improvements, new drivers, and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about this latest release of the Linux kernel 5.18, you will find links in the show notes. System76 announced some really interesting news recently with a new laptop collaboration with HP. That's right, you can now get an HP laptop that ships with the default Pop! OS as the operating system from System76. This HP laptop is named the HP Dev 1. It's going, we're going to talk about briefly about the specs, but if you want more de in-depth detail, you can check out the latest episode of Destination Linux as we covered this on the show. But just briefly, it has an 8-core AMD Ryzen 7 processor, 16 gigs of memory, 1 terabyte of PCIe NVMe M.2 storage, a 14-inch display, AMD Radeon graphics, and it starts at $1099 or $1,099. This is interesting because it is essentially a collaboration with two competing companies, since both sell computer hardware. I think this is pretty cool, even if kind of odd to see. And if you'd like to learn more about this particular thing, you can check out the links in the show notes, as well as, like I said, check out Destination Linux' latest episode of 279, where we discuss this news in much more depth. 
and you'll find a link to episode 279 of Destination Linux in the show notes. The Budgie desktop has undergone many significant changes in recent months, the biggest being the split from the Solus project into its own independent project called the Buddies of Budgie. Now this week, the Buddies of Budgie released a massive, massive blog post with over 6,000 words. I know it's not important that I tell you how many words, but it's a big blog post, and that's why I want to tell you it's a, it's a lot. So naturally, I won't be able to cover everything, but it is a very interesting read, so if you want to check that out, you'll find a link in the show notes. One thing I thought was really cool in this post is that the workshops they did to get together and decide on important pieces of budgie, like organizational and roadmaps, were publicly accessible and are still publicly accessible if you would like to watch them. Now, there are many projects in the open source and Linux world that allow people to attend to see you know, processes and how they do things, but there aren't many of them that do live streams. Buddies of Budgie decided to live stream their workshops on Twitch, which is really cool. And like I said, you can check it out on a YouTube video, which will be uh, on the blog post for this massive state of Budgie blog post. And now the, the Buddies of Budgie live streamed two different workshops. The first being focused on laying out the core values of the project, organizational structures of the project, how communication and transparency will be done with the community, and all that sort of stuff. And then the second workshop was mostly focused on plans for Budgie 10 and Budgie 11. They're going to be continuing work on Budgie 10 while they gear up for Budgie 11. And as we previously discussed here on the show, Budgie 11 will be switching to EFL, or the Enlightenment Framework Libraries, instead of GTK. You can find a link in the show notes for more details about that change. And this will be also be very interesting to see what happens here. And I'm also very happy to see that Budgie 11 will be focusing on support for the Wayland Display Server Protocol. There are many desktop environments that still don't have a path for that, so I'm happy to see this is a high priority for Budgie. And if you'd like to check out the link in the show notes, you can read the full blog post to see what's all planned for the future of Budgie Desktop, including the breakdown of the core values and more in-depth information about basically everything that I've mentioned so far. Now, there was one other thing that I was glad to see in the State of Budgie blog post, and that is the details about how they are using DigitalOcean as a part of their infrastructure. And if you want to get started using DigitalOcean's awesome services too, then you can go to do.co slash tux 2022. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also offers predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. You also can get support at every stage of growth, whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people. With DigitalOcean, you get simple, powerful cloud computing that helps you grow your business. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is going to give you a $100 free credit when you go to DO. Dot co slash tux 2022. That's do.co slash tux 2022. And just again, if you want to get an awesome service like DigitalOcean, you can get all sorts of stuff. We run our forum for the Tux Digital community on DigitalOcean and a lot of other great stuff. It is just a super powerful platform. So you can get started again for free with a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux 2022. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. From one desktop environment to another, let's talk about what is coming soon from the KDE community. 
KDE has recently announced the beta release for the 5.25 release of KDE Plasma, as well as the announcement that they will be participating in the Google Summer of Code event this year. First of all, let's talk about the latest version of KDE Plasma 5.25 beta. There are a lot of new things being added to this version, so I will cover this release in much more depth when the final stable version is released. But for now, let's check out some of the highlights. So for example, there's some changes with the panels. You can now enable a keyboard navigation for panels and the system tray, which is really cool. I love keyboard navigation as much as I can. I choose to do that. Uh, not, uh, not always required, but it's just nice to see it when it's there. There's also an option for floating panels and plasma themes. So this lets you have panels that have a marginal padding so that they do not touch the edge of the screen. Just kind of gives it a nice, more modern feel for those who like the way that Mac OS looks. You could kind of duplicate that inside of plasma with this feature. And also there's a lot of changes to the accent color system. You now have the option to apply accent color from a wallpaper, which is really cool. And the option to use accent colors from for window title bars, as well as the full header bars, as well as being able to just tint the whole color scheme with the accent color. Instead of just doing you know small changes with the accent color, you can now do lots more, and that is pretty cool. Uh, the Plasma Overview is also now going to be on by default, which is great. I use this as my sole method for managing windows and virtual desktops now since it was added. It's just much more convenient and makes Plasma feel more polished and modern, and I'm glad to see it becoming the default. And there's also many, many more things that are coming in Plasma 5.25, and when the final version releases, we will cover it in a lot more depth, like I said. But for now, let's switch gears to another KDE-related topic with their participation in the Google Summer of Code. KDE announced that they will be participating in the GSOC, and there will be a lot of projects included this year. They will be working to improve various applications like the KDE Matrix Client NeoChat, the awesome painting app Krita, the great photo manager Digicam, and also the educational software GCompress. There will also be work done on the Plasma system settings to improve various modules, including the redesigning of some of them by porting them to Qt Quick, which will also help with the port to Qt 6 as well. Now, the most exciting thing for me in the works here is the project to add a Flatpak permission management to KDE Discover. This will allow you to change permissions granted to an application like the file system access, network access, and so on, and also make it easier to review them all directly inside of KDE Discover. Now, there is a Flatpak people can use right now called FlatSill, which is kind of gives you the option to do this sort of thing, and it is a great solution for it, but I'm happy to see that the effort being built into directly for KDE Discover, that is very, very cool, because that means you can install and also manage them all from one place, which is awesome. And if you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have links in the show notes below. Ubuntu has released a blog post about work they are doing to improve the performance of the Firefox Snap on Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. Oliver Smith of Canonical detailed some problem areas and what they are doing to, to improve their performance. Now, I think it is safe to say that everyone that has used Ubuntu 22.04 has noticed the very slow launch time for the Snap version of Firefox. Based on my experience, it could take you anywhere between 10 to 15 seconds to launch Firefox. Now, this doesn't seem like a lot of time for 10 to 15 seconds, but when you're using a computer and it having that much of a delay when you interact with it, it's, it's not an ideal situation. It kind of makes me feel like I've traveled back in time to 1998 when you were expected to wait that long for everything. So, uh, not great. They have identified the four main causes of the slow startup times. They say that the Seeking and SquashFS the software rendering, extension handling, and font and icon handling are the cause of this uh, slow performance. Now, the good news is, is that Ubuntu is acknowledging the problem and are working to address it. 
Now, of course, I would have preferred this being done before releasing Ubuntu 22.04, but because it kind of makes Ubuntu and even Linux as a whole look bad when you new users load up Ubuntu for the first time and then run into such an unfortunate experience. But, you know, as they say, better late than never. <laughs> In some ways, you could say it is good that it is a snap because it's a snap that can be updated after release, which is more difficult to do than with dev files. Although you could also say that they could just use the dev file and wouldn't have the problem in the first place. But, you know, whatever the case, whatever, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that they are working to improve the performance for the Firefox snap because, well, it needs it. If you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have links to the blog posts in the show notes. If you want something that always has fantastic performance, then check out Bitwarden, because this episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. Bitwarden is an awesome password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and also now auto-generate usernames if you'd like, and even automatically fill in those usernames and passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this stuff. Plus, you have access to your, your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, your mobile applications, desktop application, or even on the command line, Bitwarden has a solution for you. Bitwarden also seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person has access to your data, which is fantastic because the data that's being stored on their servers to have the access to the different devices is all like encrypted gibberish. So even if someone did get access to it, they can't read it without your devices, which is super important. Also, you can get this started for free. Did I mention that? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because for less than a dollar per month, you get all sorts of great stuff. You get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, party customer service, and so much more. All of this for less than a dollar per month. That's right. You can pay $10 per year and you get all of this great access and so much more. I haven't even mentioned everything you get in the premium accounts. There's just tons of it. And also, I kind of skipped over the Vault Health Reports. This is awesome because you can like basically sanitize your passwords and check to make sure that you're not doing duplicates and all sorts of great stuff. That is fantastic. And you get all of this for less than a dollar per month. So make the smart move like many community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. There is a new version of the open source live ISO for disk cloning and imaging project known as Clonezilla Live with version 3.0 this week. And this is a major update that comes with a lot of improvements and features. Clonezilla Live 3.0 is powered by the Linux kernel 5.17 and is based on the Debian SID repository of May 22nd of 2022. Clonezilla Live 3.0 introduces support for Apple's APFS file system, which means that you can now use Clonezilla Live to clone APFS partitions. Also, 3.0 adds support for Lux encrypted disks, or for those who don't know, Lux stands for Linux Unified Key Setup for encrypted disks that you can now use with Clonezilla Live, which is awesome. Uh, Clonezilla Live 3.0 now has better me uh, mechanism to check the GPT and the MBR format of a disk as a workaround to handle Chrome OS flex partition tables. And it also adds the mem tester option in the UEFI boot menu for memory stress testing and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about this latest release of Clonezilla Live, then you'll find links in the show notes. Valve has been hitting it out of the park in so many ways for so long in the Linux world with the work they've done on supporting Linux, 
the development of Proton, the Steam Deck, and much more. And this week, Valve has released the latest version of SteamOS for the Steam Deck, which brings a lot of improvements. Plus, they also announced that the amount of supported games for the Steam Deck has reached over 3,000 games, which is fantastic because as they work for Steam Deck, they also work for the Linux desktop, which is always great. So what's new in SteamOS 3.2? They added an OS-controlled fan curve to improve the experience in low-usage scenarios and adjusting how the fan responds to different scenarios and temperatures. They added support for changing the in-game screen re refresh rate, and this refresh rate will automatically be adjusted to the desired option when going in and out of games. They've added more internal screen resolution options for games to choose from, and there's a lot more. I'm unfortunately still waiting for my Steam Deck to arrive, but Ryan has received his Steam Deck, and it was kind of nice when he received it because I was at his house at the time, so I was able to play around with it and test the experience a little bit. Unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of time with it because we had lots of stuff to do, and it arrived towards the end of my trip, but I am happy to say that I have to agree with all the positive reviews out there. This device is impressive in so many ways. Even just a short time that I had with it shows the build quality and the care that was put into this device, so I am definitely looking forward to the eventual day I am able to get one, but I now know for sure that it will be worth the wait. If you'd like to learn more about SteamOS 3.2 or the latest support for the various different games, you can check out links in the show notes. In more Valve news, Valve has teamed up with iFixit to provide replacement parts and repair guides for the Steam Deck, which are now available from iFixit.com. The parts, there's lots of different parts available right now. Not everything is available just yet, but they do plan on supporting basically everything. But currently, you can get button assemblies, speakers, screens for all different models, uh, fans, thumbsticks, and much, much more to replace it. Now, this is so great to see you know, being done by Valve, one of the few companies that know I know of that people will, you know, they, they understand that people will want to fix this stuff themselves. Rather than gluing everything down to the point that if one single component fails, the whole thing becomes worthless. Apple, looking at you, Apple. It's really great to see that Valve is teaming up with iFixit to solve this kind of thing and provide options for people who would like to replace parts themselves. And if you'd like to learn more about this, you'll find links in the show notes. Finally this week, I want to do some quick Linux gaming deals for you. So first of all, we have Humble Bundle has a nice bundle for those that like games like SimCity as they have a big bundle for City Skylines called the City Skylines Colossal Collection Bundle. Now, this gives you the game itself, which is City Skylines, plus a bunch of DLC. I think there's like 30-something items in this bundle. You get the Deluxe Edition Upgrade, the After Dark DLC, Snowfall DLC, Natural Disasters, Mass Transit, Concerts, Green Cities, Industries, Campus, and much, much more DLCs for this game. So if you're interested in these kinds of games, check it out. It looks like a pretty good deal. I have played City Skylines myself. Not great at it but it was very fun. I don't have all these DLCs. However, this bundle looks like a good option for getting those DLCs if you do want to try it out. There's also a lot of other stuff like various uh, content creator packs and radio stations and more. And the next topic I want to talk about for the next gaming deal is Bomber Crew. Bomber Crew is also available for free right now until June 2nd. This is a World War II strategic simulation game that has a playful art design. This game looks a lot of fun, and it's free right now, so if you're interested, link in the show notes. 
Also, if you like these kinds of deal topics sort of thing, let me know in the comments below and I might do them more in the future. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute and clicking on the This Week in Linux Patreons. Also, if you become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and just hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt and also the This Week in Linux shirt at the store at TuxDigital.com. Plus, while you're there, you can check out all the other great stuff we have like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more. So go to TuxDigital.com, click on the store link, and you can get all great stuff from there. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then while you're at TuxDigital.com, check out all the the latest episode of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the network, as well as check out all the other great stuff on TuxDigital.com. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern or 1700 UTC. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to TuxDigital.com slash live. Now, not every week we're live. Most weeks. Last week I wasn't, so it's not. I can't really say every week, but almost every week is definitely accurate. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with the Tux Digital Network, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.